Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran LA-based jazz singer Julie Kelly. We caught up with her about her new 2024 CD, Freedom Jazz Dance, Getting Through COVID, and her key to a long jazz career. The late, respected jazz critic Leonard Feather once said, Julie Kelly radiates a sense of joy and spontaneity. Listening to her, you are reminded that jazz singing is still alive and well. Born in Oakland, California, she grew up absorbing herself in gospel, blues, and jazz in addition to pop and classical music. We cover many paths in this conversation. Enjoy. Hi, Julie. It's Joe Domino with Neon Jazz Radio in Kansas City. Yeah, hi, Joe. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Nice to meet you. Thanks for taking a minute out for the show. Sure. My, my pleasure. So before we get into your latest album, I want to know, you know, we're, we're getting on that four-year anniversary. How did you survive this, this pandemic as an artist, and how did it change you now that we've kind of come out of it? Ooh. Well, you know, even in a sense, if you're not demonstrating your artistry as much, it's still there. <laughs> so huh. um, it, just, uh, it just went into hibernation uh, partly. Um, but I started painting, and I painted all through the um, those two years uh, and came out the other the other side. Um, so, Joe, is this going to take place over the phone? Yeah, I was going to do this over the phone. I was having some Zoom issues, so I have a recording app on my phone, and I was going to okay. Just do it so this I'm going to leave this. I'm going to leave this meeting because I I didn't know wh- how I was going to um how we were going to interact. So let me. Oh let me, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um but I mean I I have to admit it was it was a really alien, you know, isolating time. There's no question. Um but now I can barely remember <laughs> you know what it was like just because it we're already yeah. you know almost 2 years out of it. So uh yeah, so all of those things you know, are, are they were there? They were just under the surface. <laughs> I, I think that was kind of the way it was with everything, with George Floyd and everything. It was like there was all these things that were teetering and ready to become a thing, and it just took you know something magnanimous like that to really bring it to the surface. Yes, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and so you know what? yeah, so no, go ahead. You're good. No, that that's it. I mean, so Freedom Jazz Dance. Talk to me a little bit about this album. Was this kind of an outgrowth of that time period? Talk to me how you artistically put this one together. Um, you know, this was more instinctual in a sense than other records that I've done, um, and that could that could have been influenced by um, by the pandemic, just because there was a lot of time there was a lot of time for things to sort of percolate, you know, under the surface. So, um, yeah, this was, this was pretty personal, these uh, songs, not that other records haven't been, but this, this record, I collaborated not as much with arrangers. I, Josh Nelson, who arranged, geez, at least uh, five of these, of these songs, um, it was mainly just he and he and I, and a lot of what we came up with was very, uh, you know, 
sort of not low key, but simple, you know, it, it, things, I didn't use a horn, a, um, a horn section. Um, honestly, there's not a lot of bebop on this record. It's, it's more story oriented. So, um, in that sense, it's, it was different and probably was influenced by the pandemic. So what are you ultimately hoping the listener gets from this album? Oh, gosh. You know, uh, hopefully musical, uh, this musical offering, which is so masterful by these sidemen and, and Josh Nelson's playing, and that, you know, they they kind of enter into these different songs um, through through my voice and uh, enjoy the storytelling, I would say mostly, and also influences from my life, starting when I was so young, you know, singing folk music. So that's probably why I wanted to in, to include the Gordon Lightfoot song uh, because I started out really performing in clubs it, during the folk era. So. My twin sister and I, um, you know, sang in, in folk clubs, and we heard all that kind of music, you know, uh, when we were quite young. So, um, yeah, so just uh, a, an eclectic thing, you know. I'm I'm hoping people like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know I do. I'm, and I'm curious, going back to, to, you know, when all this began in Oakland, you know, you were listening to Monk and all of the masters. How did you truly get the jazz bug? How did it become something that has become a lifelong passion of yours? Gosh. Um, well, when I was in high school, long before I was of age, I used to be able to go to a local club in Oakland that was called Slim, Slim Jenkins. And um, they used to let me and my friend in <laughs> and we'd sit at the bar. So in, in Oakland, California, in those days, Earl Fava Hines had this great trio. And I didn't know who Earl, Earl Fava Hines was, but I, I just couldn't believe what was happening in this club. You know, they would just take the roof off the place. And uh, I think that's answering your question. Um, so that kind of started it, that there could be this, uh, you could go to a club and you could participate in a certain kind of music making. So that was that was kind of where it started. I think my love of jazz. I remember um, my mom and dad were members of the Columbia Record Clubs, right? So we would get records. They would just send them to us. You know, we you didn't really have to choose. And I remember hearing um, Count Basie for the first time and Thelonious Monk for the first time not knowing what the music was called. You know, I, ha I didn't know at that time. But I remember instantly connecting to it. So it probably started there, I would think. So, you know, obviously getting into jazz, you know, you start doing, you know, research of the history and you realize, you know, what kind of stages and venues have been pretty seminal in the history of the art form. What was the stage for you that you always wanted to perform on and you finally got a chance to, the dream place? Well, probably Birdland in New York. Um, 
that's a, a, a significant, you know, place, um, not only because it's in New York, um, but because I lived in New York in 1970 when I came back from Brazil, never thinking I'd, you know, perform at a place like that. So, so that was, that was kind of a lovely moment, um, for me. So talk to me a little bit about, after all these years, what do you like the best about being a professional musician? What is it that you look forward to the most? I guess my thing I look forward to the most is discovering a new voice and new material that I connect with. It's still exciting for for me um, to hear either a group or a vocalist or a soloist that has something really special for my ear. And in a sense, I absorb it, you know, when I can listen to them and follow them. So that's, that's for me, what it's the exciting part. Because then, of course, that triggers other steps that I then take, you know, like discovering more about who they are, listening to the discography, um, and then learning a song or songs um, that, you know, influence me through them. Um, that's, that's the real heart of it for me. So at the end of the day, why do you love jazz? <laughs> the sound. That's what Dizzy said. He said, it's not, it's, it's not about the notes, it's about the sound. And that, I just think, is so right. It's the sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, of all of the singers and everyone that's out there today, who would you love to see live? Who, who's, who's on the radar of modern uh, singers or players that you would love to catch live? Jeez. Well, I just heard Nicholas Beard, and he was great. <laughs> I don't know if you know know Nicholas. He's from the Bay Area. He was terrific. Um, who would I love? To, well, you know, just there's so many. I don't have one particular person. Um, uh, I'd love to hear Madeline Eastman again sing live. Um, she's from the Bay Area also. Um, yeah, I can't. That's, I can't think of, yeah, anything. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, no, that's <laughs> fine. That's totally fine. So, you know, you've been around some heavy hitters throughout your career, heavy jazz, um, you know, legends and luminaries. What have you gleaned from them that you in turn teach younger players that you get around? Uh, teach in terms of? Just overall. I mean, I mean they, they teach life lessons. They teach things on the bandstand. Is there anything that you learn from them that you, in turn, try to make sure that the younger generations that are getting into jazz understand? I guess by example. I mean, um, observing people. You know, one of the most magical concerts I went to was Charles Lloyd. Um, it was a couple of years ago, but it was the magic of it, you know, still stays with me. So um, he's someone who is just so connected to the music. He also lives in a beautiful place, Big Sur, that's very 
you know, surrounded by nature, um, I would say, you know, having a connection to where you live and to the natural environment is maybe, I don't know, maybe more important than anything. Yeah. So yeah. At the end, yeah. So at the end of the day, everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but you ultimately drive the bus. You're in control. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> that depends what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You know, um, yeah, it's, you know, identity is, everyone talks about it, but honestly, what, what really is it? It's, um, you know, I think the important thing is to let things flow through you, you know. I mean, <laughs> that may sound like a cop-out, but um, just whatever your little instincts lead you, little hints, things that, um, you know, there's a Dave Frischberg tune. Um, oh, my God, what's the title of it? Um, it's called Listen Here, and it's it's a song about, about being receptive to your inner your inner self and but also to be receptive to the to the very sort of um, subtle urges and little you know hunches I think all musicians know about that they know about you just get this little seed of an idea that's where the real expression is but it's kind of hard to define it. <laughs> so how are any live shows going on? Anything going to open up for you as the year kind of gets into the warmer months? Oh, yeah. I have um, my release party here in Los Angeles on March 3rd, um, and then I'm going up to the Bay Area. I hope to go to New York. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things. I'm going to the Central Coast. Um, hopefully uh, Seattle. So there's there's uh, a lot of places I can take this record, you know, and go per- perform it. Excellent, Julie. Thank you so much for opening up. Thank you for your time and story. And you know, best of luck with the show. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. Where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and singers in L.A., New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Julie for her time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube for everything Neon Jazz. Go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Nothing like you, nothing like you, nothing like you has ever been seen before. Neon Jazz.